Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hook em up with E and Rod P. Brought to you by Bud Light on the Horn. Yeah, frustrating weekend for sure for Longhorn fans. Really, all the football fans in this area. If you're an Aggie fan, you're bumming. Texas State even blew one. Texans and Cowboys. Disappointing Sundays for them. Humiliating Sunday for the Dallas Cowboys and Mike McCarthy. Yes, yeah, disappointing because you started building and constructing this roster. And don't, let's not, you know, make it. <laughs> something less than it is. The truth is, all the moves the Cowboys made were so they could match up with the 49ers. They were constructing the roster, so thinking to themselves, how can we beat the 49ers? What are we missing that will give us the advantage in the next matchup with the 49ers? We've been knocked out of the playoffs two years in a row in the divisional round by the same team. And even, you know, everything, even the Trey Lance stuff, I think all of it was, I'm not saying that's why they got them specifically, but I think everything was built on them getting better. So next time they see the 49ers, they'll match up a lot better. And no, they didn't. Actually, you could argue they're worse than the last time they played the 49ers. Somehow, they're less competitive. Well, and the Niners are better, too. I mean, that's for sure. That's true. And they were, that was a clinic. And it was a wholesale collapse and failure by the Cowboys. Now think about this, Rod. It'll be interesting to see what uh, Jerry Jones has to say this week. I don't know if he had any post-game comments. I went to bed uh, after a long weekend. Mm-hmm. But before the game, he said uh, they, speaking of the 49ers, are probably right now the most likely team to go, go win the Super Bowl. But in order for them to get there, they've got to go by us, hopefully two times. If that's mm-hmm. the way it falls in the playoffs. It could be a season builder for us. I want to be very aggressive. We need to play our game, and I think we're prepared to do that. Yeah, he was wrong about that All last part. Well, he, the 49ers, are the, maybe, oh, yeah, he's right wrong. about that part. But about his team, yeah, he was, he was, he was, he was dead wrong about why, that. Why do you think the 49ers defense played so much more man last night than they typically do? Is uh, it, is, I, don't, I don't think they were. I think they wanted to make sure the, uh, the windows for Dak were really tight. And if you play zone, zone usually gives quarterbacks bigger windows to throw to. And they wanted to make sure that he had to throw two tight windows. And think about it, he was trying to throw in some tight windows last night. And they just don't think Dak's an elite quarterback who can put his cape on and make those type of throws consistently against that defense where, man, the windows are going to be so small because their linebackers are so good. right? <laughs> Fred Warner so good in coverage. Linebackers great in coverage. They got an all-pro safety back there too. Cornerbacks are getting better. And they know their pass rush is going to get to you before you can – truly get comfortable enough to make it a, a, a great elite throw. You want to make that throw, you know, off platform. You got to make that throw moving to your left, moving to your right. You got to make that throw, you know, uh, under duress somehow. You ain't going to just get a clean pocket. He's the 49ers to make that throw. So I think they figured play man, make it tight windows, and he'll have to make those throws uh, under duress, harassed. And, he, and Dak won't be able to do it because he's got small Dak energy, not the big Dak energy. Well, again, so, I you know, we've had – 
he's not an elite quarterback. Uh, we know this. And now you're – I don't think Mike McCarthy's an elite coach, and I think, you know, that's a mismatch when you're going up against Kyle Shanahan and, and, and you know, that mind. And Brock Purdy now. And now Brock Purdy Where running that playing. offense yeah. to, to perfection. He's still undefeated in games. He starts and finishes. And, again, Christian McCaffrey was, was outstanding. Not his normal dominant self, but he scored a touchdown again. He, he didn't have to be. Didn't have to be. <laughs> I mean, the Cowboys, that was just an offensive collapse. And this is, look, when they, when they moved on from Kellen Moore, who they're going to face this coming week against Ooh, the Chargers. That's going to be good. I think everything you said, I, I, I guess you can understand it, what the philosophy is, but you're going back in time. You're going to old school offense when the rest of the NFL is going new school. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're doing things. We'll watch the Miami Dolphins play football these days. That's the new school, right? And everybody's copying that. You're going. You're going to trust old, old Mike McCarthy when he first got here. Thought it was going to be a good idea to go hire Mike Nolan to be his defensive coordinator, oh, who was old school. I know. It was such a bad. Decision. And it was such a bad hire. And then you had to oh. say, okay, we got to go with Dan Quinn. And Dan Quinn is coaching in the modern era. Yeah, he's a new school, and yeah. he's a trailblazer within the modern era of coaching. You're going back old school, so and you've told everybody what you're doing. The Tex Coast offense, it's dink and dunk, control the ball. So you don't think the long the, the 49ers knew to suffocate the line of scrimmage right there, take mm-hmm. everything short away? Yep. Uh, see if they'll actually – why did they bring in Brandon Cooks if they're not going to stretch the field ever? They um, tried, and then Dak overthrew him by 10 yards. Yeah. And it was an <laughs> well, he, he got one attempt and he and, uh, yeah. one cut for six yards. Uh, you trade it for Brandon Cooks. He doesn't get the ball. Tony Pollard had eight total carries. Uh, I don't know, man. I'm, I'm down to start tanking. You're Already? down to start tanking. I, 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 you got to pay Dak $60 million next year, or or you have to extend him to, yeah, to stretch got, out that so money. This ends you you got to have a talk with Dak. You got to have a talk with Dak about that. Because I'm at the point now where if he's not even considered a top 10 quarterback, which I don't, think, I don't know if people consider him a top 10 quarterback anymore, um, and he's, he's basically now being relegated to game management. Uh, uh, you know, as a game manager, I, I think you need to say, "Hey, man, we need to you being the highest paid quarterback in the league. Um, at, whenever you re- redo your deal and sign your extension, that's not going to work for us. We can't do that. And you, you don't deserve that either. You, sh- you should know that. We should restructure this deal and try to get you somewhere in that range because that's what guys like Daniel Jones did and other quarterbacks. But there are some quarterbacks they want to be the highest paid at their position because they are the team's franchise QB. I don't know, man. Dak, I, I might play hardball with Dak on that one." Dak won't say that. This is why you have to draft quarterbacks over and over again, two of you, the Cowboys, to keep Dak from being in this leveraged position where he can he can basically hold your ransom. Yeah, they got to make you pay him out. sixty million. Well, and it's, and it's um, look, they built the offense to be more <laughs> Dak friendly, which means less Dak, as you just said, less <laughs> Dak, not be. But then you with, with the whole because uh, again, this is the the NFL. But the Cowboys have so dominated their their first four opponents outside of the Cardinals game. Now they gave up more points in this game. They'd given up to all three of their wins combined, the whole, the whole season combined yeah. in this game. So the defense was not near elite. But then the offense, which has been sputtery all year, they combined for eight yards on their first four drives. It was That's 14 nothing before they recorded a first down. Damn. I mean, that, it was trash. That was the most depressing Sunday night football experience I've ever had in my life. Considering the hype. Yeah, they're oh, the hype leading up. Yeah, the hype leading up is why I agree with you. Because I was like, man, I was, I was expecting the Cowboys. If that's what the Cowboys had in their bag, ready for this big matchup, ooh. And that was the last leg of a five leg parlay for me. Oh, <laughs> if you, you bet on the Cowboys too emotional time. I, I, I know. By the yeah. time it happened, the, the game came on, everything else had hit. I've been like, you know what? I'm not. I should've probably should have hedged. hedged. Should have hedged, hedged right then. It's a dang coaching mistake right there. Good to have Ty back in the building. I'm feeling better. Uh, yeah, one drive, 11 play, 78 yard drive early in the second quarter. That was it for <laughs> Dallas. Other than that, and, and how about this? I'm not to make it about me, but fantasy football. I needed Tony Pollard to score 10 points, and I would have won. I needed 10 points. That's all you needed in a fantasy football game. <laughs> 
You're so <laughs> depressing, Cowboys. They are, they are depressing. Hello, darkness, my old friend. Uh, Cowboys Well, fans. now it's the, the darkest of the darkness. Hey, baseball's back, though, for me. Time. There you go. Rangers are winning. I will say this, though. That Kellen Moore game now is huge. That Kellen Moore game. The LA the game against the Chargers. But that's a huge game now because now Kellen Moore's offensive prowess and Kellen Moore's offensive acumen is going to be basically – is going to be going up against Mike McCarthy's offensive acumen. And if Mike McCarthy's offense doesn't show up in this game and Kellen Moore lights it up, remember his thing about Kellen Moore wants to score more points. We want to win games. I'm like, all right. You don't see that's going to be put to the test this week because if you don't show up versus Kellen Moore, you should know Kellen Moore's offense very well. Hell, Dan Quinn should know it really well. So the Cowboys have the advantage in this matchup, but not the way that offense looked. When it's a big game, Chargers had their bye week this week. So. Oh, extra time to prepare. Yep, Ooh. extra time. They got to sit back and watch that disaster and Sunday night. the Cowboys, a lot of injuries late in that game last night. Leighton Van Der Esch, neck right. injury. Deron Bland, off the field. Jordan Ooh. Lewis had a his list well, from. We know oh, yeah, so, yeah. Tyler Biotis went out. Tyler Biotis went out. Yeah, yeah. that was big. He lost four, four starters last night. Tyler Biotis injury was scary. Well, and then a fresh... You still got a you still got Brandon Staley because so he can screw the whole thing up for the Chargers, <laughs> their head coach. But he can, yeah. You sh- but yeah, I mean they got to sit back and watch that game last night. Fresh, you take injuries, you're kind of humiliated. And I got to think Mike Mike McCarthy can hear what the coach, what the head, the owner saying. I, I said coach, but that's a Freudian slip. Uh, <laughs> Jerry but, wishes. Yeah, I mean <laughs> he knows how disappointed Jerry Jones is right now. I mean the fans, yeah. but for oh, Jerry, yeah. I mean this was you just heard him. This is our this is our measuring stick. Mm-hmm. You think it, they could buy in even further and make a trade? I don't know what they'll do. do I really don't. I mean, they've already traded for the as you said the pieces they felt like they needed, and then you get in a matchup with them and you don't use any of them. Stephon <laughs> Gilmore soft. He does not like to tackle. Well, That's now, one thing I've noticed from him. He's, his, he's an older guy now. That's what I was gonna say. Yeah, most corners as they get older, unless they're gonna transition to safety, they yeah. Yeah, the tra- the, 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 the Travon Diggs injury is obviously huge for the Cowboys, and especially in a game like that. But you know, forty-two to ten, big. Come on, uh, George Kittle. You know you got to cover George Kittle. Man, pretty 49- important. And it's a different guy for the 49ers or a different player that steps up. It seems like every game that has a big game so far this year, they can hurt you in so many different ways. In that game, obviously, it was Kittle because Kittle was unstoppable. We had three touchdowns. Then week four. McCaffrey had 177 yards, four touchdowns. Week three, it was a Debo game. He had 129 yards. Uh, week one, it was an IU game. He had 129 yards, two touchdowns. It's like you try to take one of the weapons away, and they're like, fine, take him away. We don't care. We got somebody else over here who's, <laughs> who can hurt you. Yeah, they're, they're, and I was watching Miami Dolphins. They do the same exact thing. Yeah. And that, you know, that can dovetail back to the Longhorns because the Longhorns, despite the early turnovers, and you documented Sark's predictable game plan in the early parts that maybe led to that first interception. Uh, but you know, once once Quinn you were settled down, that offense was almost 500 yards. I mean, that offense mm-hmm. I mean, there was a, the you know Quinn Ewers went finished 24 of his last 25 passes complete, and the one incompletion should have been a pass interference call, I think, on Xavier Worthy who got ran through and you know couldn't come back for the ball. That was the one incompletion. So Quinn really settled in, but in the end, Dylan Gabriel, his counterpart, never made a mistake, never played a bad quarter. I mean, he overthrew he one ball on a fourth down. Or threw a ball behind Drake Stoops that mm. would have been a first down, by the way, but he threw it behind him, uh, and that was the problem. Your your opposing quarterback didn't have a bad stretch. You did, and uh, you know we'll talk more about it in Rod's rant here coming up. But how about this? The Cowboys teams that they've beaten: the Jets, Giants, Jets, and the Patriots. You know they're three of the worst teams in this league. They all are tanking now. Yeah, they should be. Patriots are one and four after getting beat by the Cowboys, thirty-eight to three. They came back and they were so mad that they lost to the Saints, thirty-four to nothing. (laughs) 
<laughs> it's Belichick's two worst week, worst back-to-back weeks in his career as a coach, right? It has to be. Because he, that's, wor- that's, that's the, the most worst he's losses. Ever, that's the most he's ever trailed in a home game. Yeah. So I even back, back to Cleveland days. Ooh. Yeah, Man. and then the Giants. They're one and four. They're terrible. They lost to the Dolphins yesterday. Um, not many people can stop that Dolphins team. But uh, as we told you, the Dolphins are now on pace to have more the most yards in NFL history. Through five games, they went past the uh, St. Louis Rams. Greatest show on turf, the Kurt Warner, Marshall Falk teams for most yards. They're also averaging the most yards per play. But the uh, Giants, Jets, and Patriots, not good. Jets did beat Denver yesterday, though, Rod. That was a, oh, yeah, remember, this is the, the smack talk bowl between Nathaniel Hackett and Sean Payton. And Nathaniel Hackett won. He did. <laughs> Zach Without Wilson. Aaron Rodgers. Zach Wilson's been playing decent. And their defense scored yeah. a touchdown against got Russell Wilson sacked and a fumble. Yeah, that and, Kansas City um, game really helped his confidence when it, he outdueled uh Patrick Mahomes in that game. It He's did. Playing really well. It did. Then. And they dominated that second half. The the you know, Broncos had a little spark early and they took that away. They were pretty darn impressive. But uh, uh all right, so there's the Cowboys. Let's let's get a, a, a Rod before we get into your rant. Uh, let's get uh, folks are going to make a bet on this Monday night football oh, game yeah. tonight. Packers, Vegas Raiders in Vegas. There'll be a ton of cheeseheads in Vegas tonight. You got to know that. But uh, if they want to bet on it, where are they going? Uh, it's only one place to go. You need to go check out my friends over at my bookie. Winning season is here, and there are plenty of opportunities for you to win over at my bookie. Uh, whether the Dallas Cowboys and the Chargers game go over the total points, or can Michael Parsons and the dominating Dallas defense well. Sometimes dominating Dallas defense. Keep the high-scoring, killing more lead Chargers offense uncharged. As a better, you demand perfection, and MyBookie delivers NFL, college football, and a brand-new cash-out system that gives you options to bet big and win big all season long. The first two legs of your parlay hit, you can cash out early and use the funds on another bet, or you can let it ride for the chance at a much bigger payday. Join the MyBookie family for an entire season filled with odds boosts, free bets, and super contests. To get started, go to MyBookie.ag right now. Register for an account absolutely free, free 99, best price you're going to get. And when you're ready to make your first deposit, just use the promo code HORN, H-O-R-N, to grab a welcome bonus on the house. That's the promo code HORN, H-O-R-N, to claim your deposit bonus and for a limited time, a free chip, once again, free 99, to use in the MyBookie Casino. You can bet anything, anytime, and anywhere as long as you're betting with my friends at MyBookie, you're betting with the best. Rod's Rant of the Day is brought to you by Apple Leasing, the easiest and safest way to get a new car. Any make, any model. Click AppleLeasing.com and experience how easy it is. I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. Find out what happens when people stop being polite and start getting real. You ain't keeping it real. My God, okay, it's happening. Everybody stay calm. Oh, no, you've done it now. It's time for Rod's Rant of the Day. Hold on to your butts. All right, uh, a couple of things I want to get to here. I want to talk about the offense uh, for Sarkin. One, I say one concept or element of the offense that I think Sark should have tapped into a little bit more. And you guys remember after the Kansas game, I came on and I said, you know, Texas had used their big 12 package, their sixth O-line package, uh, more in the Kansas game than any game that Sark's coached here at Texas. It was a 22 plays when Malik Ogbo, the extra offensive lineman, was in there. And I thought, man, maybe this is since Texas will be dealing with the JT Sanders injury. And that's what happened. I think the adjustment by Sark in the Kansas game when JT went out into the first quarter, beginning of the second quarter, was, okay, we're going to go more to this big 12 package with the sixth offensive lineman in to supplement 
uh, the physicality you get with JT in the running game as a blocker. Uh, so, and there are different ways. Obviously, he's not going to, Malik Abel's not going to give you what JT Sanders does as a receiver. But in the blocking game, in, as a blocker, it allows you to get insulation and pass protection so you can create some of those deeper developing routes downfield and connect on those. So, after the, so the Kansas game, they were really good at that Big 12 package. Matter of fact, they were averaging over seven yards per play. Over 14 yards per uh, attempt throwing the football and like 4.7 yards per rush. And I figured, okay, this is maybe this is what they'll break out in the Texas OU game a little bit more and allow them to set the tone and win the lines of scrimmage. You're talking about damn near 2,000 pounds of, of human being, right? Of, of big humans on that line of scrimmage. Um, he actually did use it, but not as much as I thought in the Texas OU game, but he should have used it more. He was really, really productive for Sark. And I thought, um, just looking at it, that Texas was going to use it a lot more because it worked so well in the first half. By my numbers, if you go look at that big O-line package, the six O-line package, Texas was averaging almost over eight yards per rush (laughs) and 10 yards per attempt and nine yards per play in the six O-line package. Yes. And my argument would be Sark didn't use it enough. Um, they got that 29-yard touchdown. Uh, that was in the 6-0 line package. The 31-yarder uh, for Jonathan Brooks was also in that 6-0 line package. So the, my, my take, and I know Sark wants to spread him out, and Sark likes to spread out. He likes to pass to open up the run, which also, by the way, makes him a little predictable because he throws to open up the run. We know that now about Sark, right? Yeah, if you look at the pass-to-run ratio, Oklahoma, it was 4-1 to one to start the game. Wyoming, 6-1. to one. Kansas, 5-1. to one. Rice nine to two. Sark likes to pass to open up the run. <laughs> just who he is. So you, I mean, you know that as a defensive coordinator, you just don't know how it's gonna look and present itself. But you can still throw out of the six zero line package. You can tag it with RPOs and you get deeper developing routes downfield. There's a reason in the last in conference play, guys, you're averaging over twelve yards per attempt out of the six zero line package. Big eleven or Big twelve. All right, you're averaging you're averaging over you're averaging over eight yards per play. You're averaging damn near nine yards per play out of it in conference play. And your completion percentage is 80% in that big six line package because you got extra time for the play to develop. So I think one of the miscalculations by Sark coming out of the Kansas game, if JT Sanders wasn't going to be 100%, which he wasn't, I think you should have been ready to use more of that 6-0 line package like you did in the Kansas game. And I almost probably should have started out with it a little bit more and should have ended with it a little bit more. That was the package that Oklahoma was not ready for. And I thought and I said he would play a lot of it. He played some of it, just not enough of it. It was it was easily your most productive, efficient, effective, explosive personnel grouping and concept versus Oklahoma. Should have used it more. Yeah, I don't disagree. Uh, and it really felt like that game when they when the Longhorns got the ball back with 4.49 to go and they started moving the football. That was a time for it. Uh, that would have <laughs> been great. Uh, and and you felt like, look, they, it was, I was thinking as we were doing the watch-along on Inside Texas, which was a lot of fun again with Ian Boyd and yourself and Bobby Burton, uh, we tried to check in with Jerry Hamilton from the stadium. He just couldn't get, oh, it's too much get the on. signal. Can't get any signal. But, yeah. you know, it just felt like it was going to be like the Alabama game again where the Longhorns were going to – Go punch it in, and that would be it. They'd lose, they'd win the game and not give Oklahoma the ball back. Obviously, the the drive stalled at about the thirty five yard line. A big sack in there was huge, but yes, that six zero line package might have looked nice there against what I think was a tired exactly. Oklahoma defense. Oh man, because that's again. There's a lot of reasons this game was frustrating, but in the end, your quarterback threw for three fifty. 
Your running back went for 130. He leads the nation. They're second leading running back in the nation now. Mm-hmm. Your two receivers over 100. Uh, but your mistakes were magnified. And you were not a mistake-prone team going into that game, but you made a bunch of mistakes, right? Nine penalties, a lot of missed tackles, the two turnovers, the three turnovers were critical. Uh, but you still had the the game in your hands and uh, didn't have to give the ball back to Oklahoma. Uh, but I will say those criticizing Sark heavily, because it's okay to criticize him yeah. for the play calling, but after the sack on second down, which made it third and or second and on first down from the 35-yard line, uh, Xavier Worthy caught a pass, got down to it to into field goal range. You're thinking, okay, now we're in field goal range. Now let's go milk this clock and get out of here yep. with the win. Uh, but on that first down play, and this is when we'll, we'll, let's hear Sark talk about this that the, when we come back, because he talks about it, it was an RPO, right? It was a run pass option, exactly. Which obviously Quinn chose the pass because he liked what he saw. So when an RPO, right, the quarterback gets to decide if he was going to pull He's it or count the it. numbers in the box. If he has the numbers advantage in the box, they hand it off. If you don't have the numbers advantage in the box, that means you had the numbers advantage in the passing game, so they throw it. And he pulled it. He pulled it out, and Quinn elected to throw. Connor Robertson, the freshman center who was struggling, was blocking the run and mm-hmm. didn't block the pass, which means, you know, Jacob Lacey went right by him, sacked the quarterback, four-yard loss. That was really the, 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 the key play of that drive for me. Uh, if, if he hands it off there even, right, and, and just runs and gets what you get, mm-hmm. get that clock running uh, instead. I'm not, I'm not putting this on Quinn. I'm just saying he liked what he saw, but it didn't get blocked properly up front. And uh, next thing you know, now this is where I will defend Sark a little bit because now it's, you know, you're looking at second and 14. They ran the ball in the next play, yeah. got four yards, now at third and 10. And you're at the third and 10 because somebody texted and said, not a championship mindset for Sark on the, these two play calls. Well, it was third and 10, and you were at the 35-yard line now. Mm-hmm. In your mind as a coach and a play call, you got to be thinking, well, we can't go far, any further back, so we can't take another sack. We've already taken five on the day, Rod. Yep. We've got to go forward here. Uh, our center's struggling. Mm-hmm. They've been they've been bringing pressure, so we're just going to run the football, which they did. It broke for six yards. That set up the makeable field goal. Now it's fourth and four. This is where you got to make another decision as a head coach. Do you go for it, knowing if you get it, you can milk the clock and kick a field goal and, and on the last play of the game, because Oklahoma's now out of timeouts, or do you get the field goal? <laughs> Take the lead. Oof, man, that's pressure right With there. a minute 17 to go, knowing Dylan Gabriel's uh, having the game of his life. And, uh, and you have to add the fact that in the fourth quarter, Dylan Gabriel had the game of his life, but in the fourth quarter, you had gotten him off the field two or three times. Yeah, and you were playing the, much better on defense. Yeah, the two drives prior to that, they missed a field goal and had a punt or something, right? Was yeah, well, no, they had a fourth down where they didn't get it. Yeah, right. And then they had to punt. So fourth down, they, yeah. they turned over on downs and then punted. So I'm sure that was in Sark's mind that our defense is now you know playing better. No, they had a missed field goal. The last three drives of the game in the fourth quarter, oh you, oh, you had a missed field goal, a punt, and a touchdown. Texas' last three drives, they had turnover on downs, touchdown, field goal. Yeah, and before the uh, field goal, there the hell, was, the hell the miss, before the missed field goal, there was a fourth down play. Yeah. So, yes, because the disappointing part of the – I mean, the goal line stand was, was disappointing for Texas and great for Oklahoma, but the fact that then your defense couldn't keep them back on the line, right? The first play, Jaron Thompson ducked his head and missed a tackle, and it went for – you know, big yards. And, oh, I forgot about that. Yeah, yeah it was a big. Play. And that was the drive in which they missed the field goal. Right, mm-hmm. they had moved it off the one yard line, yep. moved it all the way down into field goal range, missed the field goal, and that's when Texas went right back down the field and scored the yep. Jonathan Brooks touchdown. You're right. So, but again, your defense had played better, but it still wasn't playing great on the day. And Dylan Gabriel was having a heck of a day. So I could see the argument. All right, go for it on fourth and four. Our quarterback's twenty four of his last twenty five. We're going to get this, and then we can control the game from here. Instead. Took the field goal. Bert Auburn made it. I know in the in the in game cast we were actually discussing it. 
what do we do here? What's the, what's the plan? Mm-hmm. I think we both agreed. Ian and I agreed. Just take the points, get the lead. I and agree with that too. In that situation, I do too. I yeah. think that was the better you call. Take, get the lead. You gotta, Hindsight I mean, being imagine if they went for it and he, and he didn't get it. Right. Oh, like, today well, we, we've had several people wow. text us that uh, they wish he wishes he had, and they went down because they still had to kick a field goal. Right. They still had to move down and kick that field goal or win the game, even though they ended up doing it. Um, and it would have been the same amount of time, pretty yeah. much. Uh, but there you go. We'll take your thoughts. That's what makes it a great rivalry. That's what makes it a frustrating but compelling game. It was great theater. We're discussing it with you. Cowboys, not great theater. That was a beatdown. It's uh, <laughs> Hook em Up with Ian Rodby. Aaron Hogan, Rod Babers, Hook em Up, 1019, AM 1260, The Horn. Oh, man, a lot of uh, comments on the text line as usual, 447-3776, also as you would expect. This is uh, Ty, get on the Trey Lance bandwagon. Here comes wow. Trey Lance. Yeah. Wow. Um, I guess they, you got him for a reason, but it ain't time for the Trey Lance experiment just yet. No, down the road, though. That's why down they the traded road, for him, though. right? Yeah. Down the road. Uh, this says, I think the Cowboys' defense is good against bad teams. And look, all world, if Rodgers plays, Jets win. Philly and Niners will eat this defense. Oh, uh, mm. didn't look good last night, that's it for did sure. Not look, the offense didn't that. help it, though. Without a doubt, offense yeah. was horrible in the first half. Yeah, if the, if the offense put together any sustained type of drive, even if they didn't score in the in the first what, what first quarter, basically, I don't think it. I don't think it becomes a boat race as quickly as it did. But there's no doubt, man. 49ers just separated from the Cowboys. They're on a different level than the Cowboys are. Right that's that's clear. I know the Cowboys can make up a lot of ground between now and getting to the division around, but right, what if the 49ers keep getting better too? <laughs> right. right, like you're like, yeah. Well, look at where you're starting, where they're starting. They're not gonna stop getting better. They got Randy Gregory now too. Damn, I forgot about they. Shadow loves stockpiling pass rushers, man. He loves stockpiling pass rushers. Yeah, Randy Gregory cut by the Broncos now, Forty yeah. Nine er and mid quarterbacks, but now he's got a good one. He's got a great one. And look, Brock Purdy has showed you again. Uh, I mean, he's got the better team, the better coach. I mean, that helps a lot. Better system. Um, yeah. But yes, Brock Purdy is. It's not just a system thing with him. He's really, really good. Yeah. Uh, uh, this says, guys, bad day for the off- uh, defensive line. Look, both lines of scrimmage got outplayed in this game, uh, even though Longhorns gained 500 yards. Well, this is why I say, because somebody was taking issue with, I said, Sark got outcoached. Sark and his staff got outcoached in this game, right? Yes, okay. Uh, I think during the game, but again, it's not like this, it's not indicting of Sark. It's just no. it's what you talk about with a game. We Everything that we talked about last week showed up on Saturday. Uh, except for the fact that the Longhorns would be the most mistake-prone team they've been all year. But uh, a lot of that was forced by OU. Why did the Texas D-line struggle? I think I'll give you my opinion on that, and then you can add in, Rod. Mm-hmm. But te- Oklahoma, as we talked about, hadn't played a tough opponent this year. Not, t- nobody in the top 50 in their first five games. So they had they had extra prep time for this game. And they know this rival. And they, they Look, they now have three years of game film on Sark, right? So they had all offseason as coaches mm-hmm. to, to build the game plan. Yep. And you knew they were going to bring something that Oklahoma, that Texas hadn't seen, mm-hmm. and break tendency, as you say. And what broke was Dylan Gabriel running the ball. Exactly, <laughs> he had run for an average of thirty yards a game mm-hmm. in the pre- five previous wins, uh, he, and most of them on scrambles. The, off, the the defensive line, I think, struggled. A, you know, Oklahoma was playing like a hornet's nest. You know, they were unbelievably on fire. Texas was not. That's on Sark a little bit. He even said afterwards, "I got to get my team more ready to play." That's true. And when Dylan Gabriel started taking off and running, including on the first drive when he ran from the eight-yard line into the end zone with the design trap run, 
I think the Texas defensive line, you know, got kind of crossed up. To, okay, do we chase this guy and sack the quarterback, or do we have to stay in our lanes, maintain integrity? And I think it made him a little bit of a step slow. Look, stay in your lanes, yeah. And outside of the the quarterback runs, they didn't really run the ball. No other running back for Oklahoma was over three yards a carry. Uh, everyone else was struggling to run the football. It was Dylan Gabriel. And that's advantage Oklahoma. They had the schedule early to allow them to implement that. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Not show it, and then break it out in the biggest game of the year. It was very fortunate for them. And now, look, the rest of the year, the rest of their opponents are going to be ready for Dylan Gabriel on these trap runs, whether he's got to run them or not. But he had, a, he had you know, 15 carries, Rod, and a lot of them were on design running plays that were just for him. That's something they had not shown. Is that the only reason the Longhorn defensive line struggled? No, but I no. think it was a big part of the problem. Yeah, I think you nailed on the head there. You're right on it. Um, the tempo also. Sure. Uh, I'll add that to it. That's, that's a, that, that is the offense. That's the system. Very shoot. They we run know tempo. they go you fast. Know, so they should, Sexton shouldn't have been surprised by it, but it definitely had an effect on the defensive line's ability to, to rush, the, uh, rush the passer. And in addition to – so he just – uh, broke it down for you, but you know I went and looked at some of the numbers. If you go and look at the actual traditional running game, just handoffs to running backs. I mean, they averaged two point eight yards per carry. But they knew that, that that was a brilliant game plan because they knew there's no way we can run straight up against Texas. That, that's that's a fool's errand. So what they go non traditional running game, like he mentioned, quarterback design run. So Dylan Gabriel tied for the most rushing attempts in his career with fourteen. Right, and he had the most rushing yards in his career with 113, and the most rushing yards per rush, most uh, yards per rush, I should say, in his career at oh, 8.1. It, it, it. That was the break. That was a tendency breaker of all tendency breakers, just because he. It wasn't even on film. No. Nope. No matter if you went back and watched Dylan Gabriel's time at UCF, you went back and watched his time at Oklahoma. It was never on film. That's the beauty of a tendency breaker when they can't even prepare for it because nobody's ever seen it. That's beautiful. And, like I said, the non-traditional running game. They went with Farouk in the backfield with some Wildcat. Drake Stoops. That was on. new. That was new. That, that, that good tendency hey, breaker. listen, there was the, the, the give, give Jeff, Jeff, what would Mac Brown say? They have coaches, too. They got coaches. Good they on scholarship, too. Good they players. got guys on scholarship. Good players. Uh, well, and, then, and then Drake Stoops on the jet sweep. So they were able to supplement. They knew they couldn't have a traditional running game, but they had a non-traditional one. I went back and looked at quarterback draws, E. You had, in, based on my numbers, Five quarterback draws and Texas allowed fifty nine rushing yards on those those quarterback draw plays. Man, they were huge for Dylan Gabriel. He had four scrambles and he averaged over nine yards per rush just on scramble plays. By the way, the only two Oklahoma Val carriers who were over four yards a carry were Dylan Gabriel at over eight and Jalil Farouk, who's a wide receiver who on three occasions lined up in the Wildcat, exactly. which was not on film. And they also did something pretty cool, right? I thought you know creatively they it would start with with a tight. You know, tight formation, like a compressed set, and then they set. would spread it out, right? Yeah. And but they would have Jalil Farouk, which you knew something was weird because mm-hmm. he was in the Wildcat. But then they would spread to the boundary with like a, a, and yeah. then snap the ball, and he went off the right side where it was the weak side. Mm-hmm. 
And so then basically, like, make Texas have to just on the fly real quick, real fast, and then go to the out of tempo, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. And then they they came back to that a couple of times. Farouk ended up with three carries for seventeen yards, That's good number, longest of ten. Mm-hmm. Uh, to, to, as you say, they can't do the non traditional running game, so they'll get creative with it. And then late in the game, they ran that same formation, and this time Dylan Gabriel stayed at quarterback. Snapped it to him, and he threw a screen pass that worked great. It was like a mm-hmm. – I mean, they pinned and pulled it on the edge to perfection uh, to, to Farouk. I mean, it was a really smart play. Uh, so, again, I mean, they made plays. The, the I think the Longhorns, the the first part of each quarter was frustrating because they started slow, and the two, two, two turnovers were big. Sark got them back into the momentum with the fake fake punt and the uh, – you know, they're, mm-hmm. they're the block punt. They got back into the momentum. But I was pretty disappointed in the way the Longhorns started the second half, too, because you knew Oklahoma was going to have the ball, and they went right down the field and scored. And uh, no adjustments there. So there's a lot to be frustrated about. But at the same time, I do think, as we started the show saying, you have to tip your cap to your opponent. Um, it's why I think if they played again in Arlington, you know, if they play again in Arlington, I think the Longhorns will have a, a, a you know opportunity. I don't, by, by any means, I think Oklahoma's head and shoulders better than Texas, right? I mean, I still think Texas has the better mm-hmm. roster, player for player. But on that day, you played the game, Rod. On that given day, Oklahoma's team played better, and they were more prepared to beat to beat Texas. Yeah, and when we say they, they out-coached Texas, I'm not like saying we're saying Sark embarrassed himself or anything like that. Like, no, because Sark made some great adjustments. Sark broke tendency, too. I I saw multiple times where Sark actually broke tendency, and I always say you got to break tendency to win big games. You got to do it at the right time. Sark didn't do it at the right time. Didn't break tendency on the goal line. Matter of fact, that was way too predictable. Didn't break tendency to start the game either. Um, so I, I just talked about how the Brent Venables and the defense were well prepared for those first two plays when they get the interception and the tackle for loss. So I just think he was predictable in some ways, but he did break tendency. Remember, basically Jordan Whittington, um, Jay Witt being the featured wide receiver, that's a tendency break. We had his best game of the year. There's no way going into this game with all Texas weapons, JT Sanders, Jay Brooks, A.D. Mitchell, X-Men, you were thinking, all right, we got to stop Jay Witt, guys. We're going to have to focus on him. No. So Sark knew that. Sark into the game plan and dialed up some Jay Witt specials, which I liked. He also had Helm touchdown. That was I've watched a lot of Texas film. That was a true tendency breaker because they run that play on short yards a lot. You see, pretty much a flood concept. But on that time, when Quinn Ewers rolls, usually he's throwing, he's rolling and throwing to that quick route, that Jay Witt underneath route, or that backside uh, 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 kind of shallow drag. Um, this time, Gunnar Helm will usually blocks on that play. Released wide open. Why was he wide open? Texas and Sark using the preparation of Oklahoma against them. They were so prepped and ready for that play. They knew what was coming, just like on the first play when they got the pick, but they didn't know what was coming. I also because he broke Tennessee at the right time. They can they the Sark did run that <laughs> uh, that throwback screen to Jonathan Brooks. Oklahoma played it perfectly. Oklahoma well, and they tried to run it the first time and, and screwed it up. Had to call a timeout. Yeah, and then tried to run it again after Oklahoma was like, "Dude, we know how this looks. Yeah, or you ain't fooling nobody." Yeah. they ran Big Eleven, which I think was a change up. They usually run Big Twelve, so I think they ran Big Eleven because they you know they didn't have J T Sanders at tight end. So they ran Big 11. That was actually a nice changeup. Hadn't done that since Sark's been the head coach. And I, I you know, like I said, the short motion for people who are paying attention to like what Miami's doing, Mike McDaniels has really popularized what they call a short or burst motion to get your fastest players uh, basically – you know, the, basically get them on the move um, when the ball is snapped, which is, makes it even harder to cover. Uh, Shanahan, my man Kyle Shanahan and Sean McVay and Matt LaFleur have all acknowledged that they stole that concept from Mike McDaniel. I saw it from Sarkin at Texas OU game. He actually used it multiple times, which shows he's still evolving that offense and growing it. So I saw tendency breakers from Sark, too. I just didn't see enough of them at the right time in critical moments. 
Yeah, and playing into his tendency, you believe maybe led to that first interception because yes. Oklahoma knew what was coming, and Sark ran it anyhow. Yeah, he did. Um, so that was big. The two critical interceptions and Dylan Gabriel. We said there was uh, one path for Oklahoma: force some mistakes by a usually pretty clean Texas team, and then have your quarterback play the game of his life. And both things happened. Dylan Gabriel was an absolute dog on Saturday. Um, Quinn yours wasn't terrible after the early struggles. Actually, he was really good. It's great, but um, you know, you ended up on the final plays of the game, which. Uh, uh, what you can ask for in a rivalry game. We'll come back. We'll continue the conversations on Texas and OU. Obviously, the rest of the Big 12 in college football. Uh, coming next, though, Ron. Who said it? Who said that? That's right. Who said that? The Horn text line has moved. Join the conversation on the new Horn text line, 512-447-3776. That's 512-447-3776. Aaron Hogan. You just got to keep living, man. Rod Babers. L-I-V-I-N. E and Rod B. On the Horn. Who said that? Who said that? Who said that? Uh, who said it, Rod Babers? Audio and sound from the weekend, and we try to that? guess who the heck said it. Who said that? Uh, who said it? Uh, is how we do it. You got what do you got for me, Rod? Uh, all right, Ty. I sent you a bunch of clips. All right, you can just pull up anyone you want to. Um, I got like four of these. They're all pretty relevant. So, uh, who said that? When the drive started, it was going to be at 157, you know, and um, we were about 127 off, and then it was recalibrated. Um, should have taken a timeout right there at the end. Thought you'd get the first down, and we talked about two hands on the ball, but that's not good enough. Just we told him to take it again. That's it. From the ball at 25, and went 75 yards in two plays. Ooh, who said that? Mario Cristobal should have yeah. taken a knee. Take a knee, dude. What are we doing? Yeah, that's the worst coaching blunder of the oh, year and of all time, potentially. Because uh, And the unfortunate part for Mario Cristobal, it's the second time he's done it as a head coach. He did it at Oregon, too. Yeah, I know. They documented that. It's on Twitter. That's in the Twitter sphere. Yes, that he because mm-hmm. if you didn't see the Miami-Georgia Tech ending, I'm sure you've seen it by now. But uh, inside 40 seconds, all he's got to do is take the timeout. Just get the I knee. mean, take, the, take, take a knee. knee take, take, take the knee, knee, and the game's over. Genuflect and walk to the locker room. You win 22-17. Instead, they run a handoff. Running back gets the ball popped out, fumbles. <sighs> Two plays later, four plays later, matter of fact, Georgia protects in the end zone with a touchdown. Just ridiculous. At least he admitted it. That was, you know, bad mistake by him. At least he admitted it. But that's, that's hard to explain that to your locker room, that you cost your team a win. Yeah. Just because you now the team, the defense can't give that up. But at the same time, they shouldn't have been on the field. They should have been, been in the locker room the, taking exactly. a shower. They shouldn't have been on. And you know what? In their head, they were thinking that too. E. That's why it's hard to go back out there as a defender. You were thinking, oh, "I'm done." You probably taking your pads off and doing all. They got to get back engaged. Exactly. You shouldn't been doing that, but you know they were. Can we hear this? Who said this, Rod? Dak Prescott sucks. Oh my God. Period. Right? They talk so much about Dak Prescott being a top-tier quarterback, franchise guy. I don't see it. I see them trying to cover up for what he lacks. A lot of quick throws, cutting half of the field off, and giving him easy throws. Other than that, he's not a quarterback that can drop back and really take advantage of a defense and, and, and carve it up. And today we've seen it. The 49ers defense made him look like a Tier 4 quarterback. Bang! So right. It's okay. Bang! Wow. wow. Tier 4? Tier four. Can we hear the beginning of that, please? And then you can tell me who said it. Dak Prescott sucks. Oh, yeah. I'm gonna be playing that one. Dak Prescott. I know who that is actually because I saw that clip. Who's that? Dante Whitner. 
Yes, Dante Whitner, former DB, and if somebody DB. like you has studied wow. a lot of film and says he's an average tier he four. Says. Made him he, look he like he was a tier average. Four quarterback. He said he sucks. That's different than saying he's a, saying he's average would have been like, oh man, that's kind of a dig at Dak. He said he sucks. Dang, that's, that's whoa. That's what he, and that he started. That started with, hey, what's the issue with the Cowboys? Dak Prescott sucks. Play it again, Ty. <laughs> Give me that again. Now I think is it confirmed now that we can say it. Oh man, Dak Prescott sucks. Oh my. <laughs> <laughs> oh my! You see the way he reacts. Oh my! Because they expect him like to go. You know, Dak Prescott's uh, really underachieving here. Dak Prescott's not living up. He's not playing up to expectations. Uh, Dak Prescott, he needs to demand more of himself. Whatever. You know, some very professional, well, eloquent, articulate year, analysis. Nope. Dak Prescott sucks. Well, remember last <laughs> week? On, that was like at, on NFL Network after the Sunday Night Football game. Oh man! Remember last week? Uh, it was Rodney Harrison, the former Patriots DB, who took all the heat because he called Zach. He was interviewing Chris Jones, the Chiefs' defensive tackle and tried to get Chris Jones to, to agree with him that, that uh, Zach Wilson's trash. Right? says he's garbage, a bad mm-hmm. player. And Chris Jones like, no, 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 man, he played a good game. He's a good player. Yep. I'm not, you're not going to say that. Mm-mm. And then a lot of people out like went after Rodney Harrison saying, come on, man, analyze the game. Don't talk bad about players yeah. like that. Yeah. You, you be an analyst. And Well, Dante Witter didn't care. Did not care. Dak Prescott sucks. Dak Prescott sucks. <laughs> like, did he play for the 49ers? He did. He okay. did, yes. Yeah, good point. Ohio State guy. It's a little bit of a homer uh, broadcast there, but it's okay. Well, uh, all right, let's get to uh, another, another By the way, Dak said he didn't see it coming. It was the most humbling loss of his career. I hope he didn't see that coming. He threw three interceptions in a row. He didn't see the defenders either. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, let's get to another piece of audio. Who said that? Uh, that was just a lack of communication there on our part, but that was uh, 100% on me. That was a communication between me and Bug. I should have had my man instead of putting him on that one-on-one. And... Now, I know that now. I've talked to him. I've addressed with him. And this play, that play is not going to define me nor define our season as a defense because I know what our defense is capable of and I know what the amount of work we've put in. So I know we're going to look back on this and we're going to definitely learn and come back stronger. All right. Who said that? Was that uh, Jaron Thompson? Oh, close. The other guy. David Bender. David Bender. Bug is who he's a bug is who Jaron Thompson. That's his nickname. I think he like looks like a bug. Now, I don't think that. I, don't, I think this is why they call him Bug because it's like exactly. Like, I call my daughter Mayor, yeah. Mayor Bug. Yeah, you know, he calls him Bug. I think that they call him Bug, and that's Jaron Thompson's nickname. So, I like yeah. that answer. It was. Well, he admitted I screwed up. Yeah, I should have had the man. I didn't. I missed was, the call. He, and, and I like. I will go back and defend the players. I think once they got to the twenty yard line in three plays, I said this morning they should have called a timeout. I agree with you because I know right. they had a game plan when they hit the field, which was you know prevent nothing behind you, that kind of stuff. But once they went three plays, 55 yards, Come okay, now. now they're at the 20-yard line. You've already surrendered the field goal uh, to tie the game. We're now to defend the end zone, and that's where I wish they would have taken a timeout. They had them. You can't use them once you're in the locker room. I'm with you. Uh, I guess I can understand trying to leave yourself some time to throw a Hail Mary, but still you your better, chance of, you your better chance of winning that game is yeah. to stop them right now and, force gotta, them I agree. and maybe block a field goal. I'm with you. Uh, but either way. Uh, all right, uh, T.Y., could you play uh, You play this uh, piece of audio from a game this weekend, uh, the aftermath? Who said that? Who the said next that? person to make the play, but that's not how we need to approach it. We need to treat every play like the touchdown play. Everybody needs to go their hardest. And I, I praise Blake this game because I feel like he played really hard, but I feel like the rest of the offense and the rest of the team didn't. So, I mean – I don't know what it's going to take, but we're going to have to start playing hard and giving our all every play. If you need a breather, you're going to get a breather, but you just got to give your all when you're when you're in the game. People will sit around waiting for their, their buddy to make the play when they need to make the play that play. Like You got to treat every play like that because you never know when your opportunity is going to come. You never know 
when the ball may pop out and you throw the backside cutoff and you can pick it up. Like it's just stuff like that, and people aren't doing that every play. We do it here and there, but it's not every play, and that's why I say we got to be consistent with it. With it being the sixth game of the season, I don't really know why, but I just I feel like people are just like here for the ride, and that's not what we're Ooh. here for. We're here to win games. And people have to step up. People have to be leaders. People have to take accountability and just stuff hmm. like that. So, we- oh man, I like that young man's attitude though. Say some people here for the ride, long for the ride. Yeah, like nah, man. Any guess to earn your, you got to earn your way. Um, I do not know who that is uh, Baylor. I think it's a Baylor player because he talked. He, he references Blake. Yeah, Blake Shapen. Blake Shapen. Yeah, Monterey Baldwin. Okay. Runway Baldwin, Baylor Bear player. I'm a pretty blunt assessment of an honest assessment because they got their ass kicked at home by Texas Tech and Joey McGuire. That game wasn't even competitive. People just here for the ride. He's right about that, though. I, I always say there are two guys, two types of players at Texas. Those who come to play for Texas, guys who come to play at Texas, those are the at Texas guys, the at Baylor guys. I'm just here. I'm just here. I'm just glad to be at Texas. Scholarship. Like, no, man. You need to pay your way, man. You need to earn your way. That's guy. Hey, man, you got to earn that scholarship. All right, we'll go one more hour. It's the fabulous fifth quarter on a Monday. It's one of the days we oh, need that fifth quarter. we got so much to discuss. Texas OU, Cowboys collapse, Texans heartbreaker. Rangers a win away from the ALCS. Astros in a split series now. We'll get to all of it. Plus, uh, what's, some, some, uh, what's popping for the end of the hour? All the way to 11 o'clock. It's Hook'em Up with Ian Rod B.